0: You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have Brandon Cruz, founder and CEO of Common Sold. Brandon is a technology pioneer leading the development of the social commerce market. A lifelong innovator who founded and sold his first company by the age of 21, he has a well honed instinct for finding a market need and filling it. In 2017, that instinct led Brandon to officially launch Common Sold a digital commerce solution that enables small and medium-sized businesses to unlock growth through live and social selling, and build it from the ground up. Brandon, thanks so much for being with us. Good to be here. So before we dig in deeper, can you tell, I did a very high-level one-liner, can you tell the audience a little bit more about Sold?
1: Sure. Uh, Commentsold is a, a technology platform uh, that enables retailers to sell across Uh, social channels, Facebook and Instagram, uh, but also a kind of traditional e-commerce website and uh, their own branded mobile app. Uh, We really specialize in live selling though, which is kind of this do-it-yourself QVC.
0: I love it. So talking about QVC, QVC is not new and live selling is not necessarily new but it's taking off and it's taking off in a new way. You know, life selling's been huge in China, right? And it's definitely something that the US is kind of, you know, kind of trickled behind. But tell us when you wanted to start Comet sold, what you felt the gap in the market is and how has that changed and accelerated now living in this world of covid?
1: Well, really, to take it back to how Comet sold started, uh, after I had sold my first company and and I had started this small business incubator uh, in Huntsville, Alabama and, and wanted to just try to help companies bootstrap and get off the, the ground and, and invest in them and help them. And one of the first companies that came in was actually a girl that I was dating at the time. Uh, and she was like, I want to start a clothing company to sell clothes to women online. I'm like, that's a horrible idea. Like, I mean, that makes no sense. You're gonna get crushed by all these people who have supply chains figured out and logistics and cost of customer acquisition and capital and big marketing teams. And she's like, well, I'm just going to do it. I don't care what you say. So she tried down the sort of traditional e-commerce path, had a website, tried to drive traffic, used influencers, bloggers, you know, kind of the traditional uh, mediums to drive traffic and uh, just really had difficulty over the, the whole kind of first year. Um, and then she started just selling on Facebook. She said, I, I'm not going to have a website. I'm just going to post a product that I like, a little video of me wearing the product. And my friends will comment if they want it. And if they do, I'll send them an invoice right through Messenger. Uh, And that really is what kind of gave birth to Comet Sold uh, because she grew that company from kind of zero to $30,000 a month in revenue over the course of about four months. Uh, And it was just fascinating. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. You have no website. There's nowhere for anyone to go and check out. uh, But you're selling product like crazy. You know, how can I help? She's like, well, really, the, the biggest pain point is I am hiring people just to send these invoices whenever someone comments. Uh, I'm like, oh, I can write a program to do that in like two hours. Uh, and that's kind of the joke now is I'm still working on the two-hour program five years later, uh, <laughs> which is the sort of traditional programmer dilemma. Um, but uh, that's really what kind of gave way to comment sold uh, in, in where we are today.
0: So how when you think of... Um something about comment sold and d- democratization of selling. How does one go about kind of being successful in that aspect? What What's a good formula um, for a brand and retailer working with the right, you know, partners to make this work?
1: You know, now that we've seen this play out, Melissa, um, about 150 times, someone going from zero to over $100,000 a month in sales, you know, we really get kind of like a sort of consistent measure of, of what makes them successful uh the number one thing is authenticity so all of our customers are selling products that they uh you know really do like themselves it's not like they're not kind of bouncing around between vendors they have a set of core vendors and a really core audience uh, which is very similar to qvc You know, their shopper has a very, very high repeat purchase rate uh, as compared to traditional e-commerce. And they're truly engaging and building a relationship, a two-way communication relationship with these customers, with these shoppers. Uh, And that is something that's very hard to uproot uh, if you're kind of a traditional retailer trying to steal that business. Uh, So authenticity is number one. Uh, The Number two is consistency, you know, being able to, you're almost a, a, you're a form of entertainment. And connecting with these customers and shopping sort of comes secondary. Uh, and then, third, would be sort of a depth of product book so that you have enough product to sell to the same customer over and over. You know, this is something that, from a unit economic perspective, retailers would love to have, right? Uh, the, the same customer shopping with them every day, but it creates uh, kind of unique challenges and that you have to have a lot of SKUs to be able to sell them.
0: What is your recommendation? Like, what, you know, you talk about branded mobile apps being the most powerful tool for engagement and, You know, a lot of sellers do it through Facebook or Instagram, um, but now you're seeing those build their own app. So is it, do you recommend using an existing channel like a Facebook and Instagram? I guess I have a multiple part question. Um, Do you recommend that versus your own branded app? And then within social, which channels are you most excited about?
1: We love social. I mean, social is still the number one source of new shopper acquisition across all the platform for all of our retailers. Uh, Particularly organic social, so non-paid. Most of our customers don't run any paid advertising or media at all. Uh, So we love social. Facebook's a great way to get organic reach. Instagram is phenomenal. Uh, There's a couple other platforms that we're pretty excited about. But ultimately, we like the mobile app because you control your audience. You control distribution of your content. So if I put something out there into the world, let's say I want to do a live video uh, for an hour and show 60 different products uh, to my customer base, the app guarantees that you get to your super fans and that they get a push notification. They're watching you live. They're interacting with all their friends. Uh, It's really a a, a really neat community experience. Uh, And with the social media networks, they're phenomenal for acquisition, but you can't really control whether or not those customers get a notification, whether or not they see your live sale. You're not really in control of that. So we love to say that, you know, the social networks are where you acquire those customers top of funnel. And then the app is where you really have long-term monetization because you control distribution.
0: Interesting. So how does somebody work with comments sold? Like what does that integration process look like?
1: The integration is fairly simple. If you're already selling online uh, through an, a larger e-commerce platform, we most likely support it. So you just sign up, connect, connect, Uh, and then start selling you know you can get a mobile app as soon as you sign up uh, and do live selling right through the mobile app and social networks if you don't have any of those platforms you can still use comment sold and this is the majority of our retailers their entire business is run on comment sold so the product uh, inventory images and videos uh, the customer management side fulfillment um, reporting you know uh, payment processing is all inside the platform
0: that's interesting so Okay, so we're talking about a lot of social engagement and and entertainment. Um, and it, and, and it being, you know, when we. Pre-COVID, I think when we talked about things like this, you know, we, we, we bucketed as this made sense for Gen Z, this makes sense for millennial. But what I, what I see is, is this, this shrinking of generational gap where you're kind of seeing, I mean, I can't tell you how many TikTok videos I've seen of like, I'm over 40. I said, I'd never, you know, get an account and now I'm on TikTok. So (laughs) what are your thoughts on the demographics? Like who's using this the, the, the most and, and, and who, where is live selling, you know, who's it appealing to?
1: That's a, a really great question uh, and a very common uh, sort of misconception, but you nailed it, Melissa. Like the gap is shrinking. Not only that, but we really see this style of selling as being something that is tested, tried and, and true uh, and has withstood the, the real test of time uh, with the shopping networks on TV. Uh, this is just sort of a different medium or media uh, that the live selling is taking place of. For that reason, our largest single demographic of shoppers is 25 to 34. Our second largest is 35 to 44. And then we get down into 18 to 24. So it's really fascinating when you look, you typically think that the younger generation is always going to sort of like uh, adopt the medium first and then sort of like the older generation will catch up. And this has kind of been the opposite, I think, because this is something that was, you know, born out of that same look and feel that uh, the older generation is used to. Uh, so we, we love seeing those demographics and we don't want to chase the, you know, 18 to 25. Uh, they're usually a pretty fickle bunch. Uh, and that's not what we've been seeing in terms of the app downloads. Um, not only that, but in, in kind of our research, we noticed that besides the social, me- the major social media apps, most of the time, the boutique app on their phone is the only other app that they have installed. Uh, so, you know, really good daily active users uh, from that standpoint.
0: Interesting. What categories um, tend to do best in a live selling environment?
1: So it's something that's very demonstrable, you know, which I think makes sense. Uh, number one on the platform is women's clothing, sort of the fast fashion. Uh, we've seen, you know, price points really do vary, but not for very high in luxury. That is a difference that we've seen uh, compared to Southeast Asia and China markets uh, um, compared to the U.S. But women's clothing, fast fashion is number one. Uh, home decor, cosmetics, and jewelry are kind of like a pretty close second, third, and fourth.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm surprised on the apparel um, because there's so much conversation now about you know how difficult of a market that is, and and the biggest reason being because of fit. So how does yes. live selling help, uh, you know, compensate for that touch feel gap of fit?
1: Well, if you think about it, I, I think it's you know I'm obviously not the target demographic uh, in common sold, but I do think it's kind of ridiculous when someone's shopping online uh, for a maxi dress and they just see a photo of it, like here's a photo of it either on a mannequin or on a flat lay on the floor, or maybe on a model, is so much different than having someone try it on for you, talk through the fit, very much like you'd experience in a store uh, when you're being helped by a sales associate that really drives the sales. So you get, as a consumer, you get used to Uh, the retailer's body types. their different models. You get used to what fits you. You trust their recommendations because they built that trust with you over over time. So they tell you if it fits true to size or if it's a little bit large or if you should size up or size down. It really is this very curated experience. So not only are you looking to the retailer for advice on exactly what to buy, but you're also looking to them for advice on how it does fit.
0: That makes sense. Um, And so tell us what markets you serve because you spoke about growth here but then you also spoke about in asia or do you work globally
1: right now we're only in the u.s so all of our retailers and shoppers are only in the u.s uh we have plans to expand internationally we just see so much growth inside the u.s uh just to give you an example of, of live selling growth uh, so far this year with covid um you know, Black Friday of 2019 was a really big week for us. And now we're doing more than that every single week on just kind of a, a random week throughout the month of August. Uh, so the growth in live streaming has been just phenomenal. I mean, we've noticed that people are spending twice as long on average watching live streams on comments sold as an individual shopper. So not only has the, the number of shoppers increase pretty substantially because i think that even though consumer spending is down you see this massive share shift from retail to online uh, but you also see that people are consuming this as a form of entertainment they enjoy jumping online connecting with their friends they're chatting back and forth with their friends they're chatting back and forth with the host and that's an experience that's very hard to replicate uh you know through traditional e-commerce or uh you know not being able to go in person to a retail store
0: so how do you think this is gonna uh reshape retail? Because physical retail is is not going to go away, but obviously it's not going to be as large a percentage. How do you see comments sold intersecting with the physical world You know, as we kind of go back to normalcy, I don't know, in 2021?
1: What we've really seen is a lot of our retailers have what we call local pickup, where someone will engage with them online and then come into the store to pick up. We've seen this from a lot of larger retailers as well uh, throughout the US pre-COVID, where they're really shooting for what we kind of call like or what I think is called experiential retail, where it's not necessarily about the twenty thousand square feet. It's much more of a high-touch experience, uh, one-on-one with somebody that's kind of curating for you and helping you along that journey. We're doing the same thing, really. I think that's sort of tried and true, but just online through live video. Uh, so I really see the the local pickup as being a, a way for. Um, the intersection between retail and and online continuing to happen. We've seen this before, again, pre-COVID. People would purchase online, come into the store to pick up, and of course be upsold at that time, uh, engage with the brand a little bit more. Uh, And I see that being very powerful. That online to offline conversion uh, and tracking is incredibly powerful. Uh, Ultimately, you're driving your own retail traffic without having to rely on anybody else. And what we've seen even in terms of the locations that a retailers choose, it's not so much about being in the grade A, you know, highest cost per square foot high traffic areas. Now they're driving their own traffic, so they don't necessarily have to be in the high cost areas. And I think that's what you'll see going into 2021 is this kind of merging and the blurring of the lines between online and offline retail.
0: That makes a ton of sense. It kind of reminds me of like the kind of the sneakerhead world, you know, um, yes. we've done tons, we've done pop-ups with them and they can drive an audience to any address. <laughs> they have such an active online following. And, um, and so this r- is reminiscent of that too. Well,
1: it's kind of a little bit of a joke, but when, uh, my wife did sort of a, she did a three week pop-up in a local mall, and uh, an old Ann Taylor anchor that had went out of business. And, um, I mean, they just dominated. There were just hundreds of people flowing in the store every hour. Uh, and of course the, the, Uh, agent for the mall came up and said, please, can you stay? You know, like, well, you don't even have to pay rent. You just stay here. And they're like, "Mm, this is a lot of work. I don't think we're going to do it. Uh, So it's really fascinating to see really how much you can drive. You know, we have many retailers that are doing over a million dollars a month in sales that started from zero uh, on on the Comet Sold platform. So If you were to do that inside traditional retail, it'd be very difficult. The only way to scale is to add more locations. You know, now you have a a, a way you can scale into a a very meaningful uh, business—a small, medium-sized retailer uh, with very little overhead.
0: No, absolutely. I've talked about that a lot. That you know, people are wondering how do I amplify, and you know, especially when you think of a pop-up, a lot of the top reasons are build brand awareness and. Um, And so this is a great hybrid relationship between, you know, online and offline. What do you think about, you know, what this means for people's comfort level around privacy? Because we're letting people into our homes, we're letting people into, you know, a more personal part of our lives through live. Um, So how do you think that's kind of reshaping mindsets around that?
1: I think what's interesting is there's sort of privacy on both sides. As a retailer who's broadcasting, you know, we've really noticed that they are opening up their home and a lot of times this is not a a high production value broadcast right like they're just Uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of lives just kind of, hey, I'm cooking for my family. Uh, This is the meal I'm throwing together. It's not even necessarily about selling, it's just about engaging with your customers uh, and being there for them kind of through this trying time and building that community. And as a consumer, I can choose whether or not I want to interact uh, with the rest of the audience, with the retailer directly, or not at all. I can go on my way of just buying product and no one really has to know. Uh, so I think it's it's up to the, the consumer the choice they want to make. But from the retailer, you know, opening up their lives is what people are really interested in. Uh, you know, as they become sort of super fans of the brand, they love the raw behind the scenes and really seeing what the daily life is like for the retailer. Uh, a lot of our retailers will even have like uh, a, a party or a gala and bring people together and sell tickets just to hang out uh, with all the other people they become friends with across the U.S. So it's a really unique experience, but also you can control, you know, you can dial up or back how willing you are to give out that information.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting. Um... Because we have talked a lot about, you know, building a human connection in digital age and what you're talking about, the intimacy and that behind the scenes and how people are spending twice as long and engagement's really up. It's, you know, it's in, in some ways, although we're living in a world right now where we can't be as physically connected in some ways, we're being more human than we had in the past. So it's very interesting. So what have been your biggest like surprises, you know, maybe this year with live selling things that were super successful that you didn't expect to happen?
1: I think you know what I love about the market is that it will always just prove you're right or wrong. Uh, and in common sold with live in particular, we did not think live was really a viable sales channel. And a lot of our customers were like we're just going to figure out how to do it anyways so they kind of manipulated the product into a way that sort of worked for live you know back in 2017 uh and it's turned into our, our largest sales channel in common sold today so i love what we have these customers that are truly innovative i mean these are american entrepreneur stories uh that need to be celebrated you know it's it's a let's say a wife or uh a single woman operator who starts a business selling clothes online and becomes a real seven figure a month or six figure a month business is just fascinating. You know, they employ lots of people, they feed a lot of families and they start from zero many times with no kind of business background or no formal training, just kind of willingness to engage with their audience and sell product. Uh, And it's so exhilarating i think and and rewarding to support them uh that it really lights us kind of on fire inside common sold so I, I really see that future continuing to grow and and through COVID, it's, it's just increased substantially uh, particularly in, in live streaming
0: and um, so speaking on that you know where do you where do you see common sold going like what's your what's your vision a roadmap for the next three to five years
1: I think expansion to additional social channels. We want to really meet the customer, the shopper, where they're at. Uh, so, you know, we've been working on some integrations uh, with YouTube and and uh, expansion on channels like TikTok. You know, TikTok doing curation of products in retailers makes a lot of sense if they can do such good curation of video uh, and content. So we really want to continue to grow sort of the reach of meeting those the the audience where they're at uh, and then continue growth in the bottom of the funnel with the mobile app and expanding that feature base. Uh, so it, it's kind of a, a little bit of a rinse and repeat across the different channels. And every channel has a little bit of a different uh, type of audience, their type of engagement that is common and and uh, really what works well, even between Facebook and Instagram uh, is substantially different.
0: No, absolutely. It's, it's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. They all have their nuances and kind of different audiences that gravitate to them. Um, for sure. Even though, like I said, I think, you know, the generational gap is shrinking, but you still have those that favor, you know, some categories are more on Facebook and, and some more on um, Instagram or TikTok or...
1: My mom just skipped Instagram and Snapchat and she's straight on TikTok.
0: I mean, I need to follow your grandma. This is amazing. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if I'm to follow her content. I love it. You know what? I will say this. Um, on average, the older generations have some of the best content because they're so witty about it.
1: You know? Oh, I totally agree.
0: It's like I've seen – I've like busted out loud laughing at some of these these videos on TikTok from the older My friends make fun
1: of me because they, they say I'm on old person TikTok uh, <laughs> and I do think that I am and, and I never want to leave. I hope that's what I – all the content I get forever. It's amazing.
0: No, it's so fun. Well, this is a great conversation. It's, it's you know, like I said at the beginning oh, – Tech, a lot of the technology we're seeing come to the forefront now like life selling. It's not necessarily new, but it's fascinating what kind of um, a perfect storm it's been. Um, not that we ever want to say we want to live in COVID, but necessity driving innovation and adoption. And you're kind of seeing these floodgates open and you know the, the adoption of consumers, right is kind of reshaping what brands and retailers are doing.
1: Absolutely. I think a lot of the larger brands are struggling to determine how do we have that same engagement like these smaller retailers? You know, how do we, uh, one of the things that we've run into is, is large enterprises are starting to engage with their audience through live is that with a lot of our brands, the person and the individual is just as much the brand as whatever the name of the company is. And with the larger ones, they're kind of struggling to say like, who do we put in front of the camera? You know, who is authentic? Who's building relationships? A lot of these retailers the large retailers have done a great job of kind of arming that that sales associate on the floor in the store but as you try to shift that to the brand online uh it's difficult you know so i think that we've seen a couple good examples of uh, i think great efforts in the space but a lot of people are trying to figure out how to really you know crack that nut and it's difficult um you know i think that you look at the smaller retailers and you think like oh that's easy i can try it and of course we love that because it's great for growth but for a large retailer it's hard to figure out how to make that same connection and in relationship with the customer that you've probably already been trying to do for a long time but now this is a totally new medium for you but just like you mentioned melissa this is not a new medium at all uh we look at at qvc and and that type of selling as being uh very old really in the in the 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 selling world and i mean predates e-commerce mm-hmm. uh so we think that this is just kind of a share shift of a new medium Uh, for this type of selling to happen.
0: No, it's definitely exciting. It's exciting times for sure. Um, Well, before I let you go, I ask all of our audience this because we're not traveling right now and you're calling in from Alabama. Um, When I'm able to travel again um, and I were to go to Alabama or anybody in our audience, what would be the top two or three things we must do or see?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, Number one would have to be space camp uh many people know this from when they were a kid i watched uh, that
0: i loved that movie
1: yes exactly <laughs> and it is exactly like that and and some of it is not so updated so it is literally exactly like that uh and uh, i think uh, a year or two ago the space camp organization was trying to figure out uh, really the space and rocket center was trying to figure out how to grow revenue and they're like let's just do adult space camp right mm-hmm. because everybody felt like they missed this as a kid and they saw the movie so let's just do regular space camp and add in craft beer and it will be great Uh, And it has been great. Uh, The second would probably be uh, Chuck Wagon Barbecue. And this is something that my Alabama friends would probably be mad at because it's really Texas barbecue, but in Alabama. And it's amazing. Uh, and then the third would probably be Hudson alpha. If you're in Huntsville, Alabama, it's the second largest whole human, uh, genome sequencing center in the U S oh. and you'd have no idea. It's literally in the middle of a massive like farm field. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really a fascinating place and a lot of innovation happens there that you would never know about.
0: That might be my most well-rounded visit ever. I'm going to have beer and space. I'm going to have some barbecue. Space, barbecue, barbecue
1: and sequencing. Yeah, Yeah, what else do you need?
0: uh, My list is complete. I love it. Um, All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Again, this was Brandon Cruz, founder and CEO of Comment Sold. Brandon, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Oh, thank you, Melissa.